0: Welcome in, welcome aboard. Another episode of a show to be named later. Got plenty to get to from the sports weekend. A couple of weird stories, that Phil Mickelson thing that I don't really understand why everybody's up in arms and everybody's freaking out over this in the golf world. Just calm down and have some fun. World Cup started, been watching a little bit of that. Also, I want to get to some of this stuff about Barry Trotz and and what happened in Washington. And so I I think we'll spend a little bit of time on each of those towards the end of the podcast. But I saw a tweet last night that just highlighted something ridiculous going on in baseball right now. And that is where we start. Mike Trout. Yes, Mike Trout. Multiple time MVP. MVP. Multiple-time MVP runner-up. One of the great players, not just in the game right now, but of all time. I don't hesitate to say that, even though he's only six years into his career. I do not hesitate to say that one bit. Mike Trout, one of the great players of all time. If not for the Hall of Fame's rule that you have to be in the league ten years, he would be a Hall of Famer if he retired tomorrow. That's how good he is. And I saw a tweet on Monday night that just put it into perspective. That just, you know, surprised me. It, it it made me take a step back and really think about Mike Trout and how good he is and what he's done already in his major league career and when he is going where he is going to end up when all is said and done. And so the tweet comes from Ted Berg of for the win, USA Today. And he tweets out on Monday night Gary Sheffield was one of the greatest, most intimidating, and most recognizable hitters of his or any generation. Played parts of 22 seasons, hit more than 500 home runs with a 907 lifetime OPS. Now I'll take a break here and say that all sounds awesome, right? Gary Sheffield is like. Kind of, sort of, borderline Hall of Famer. I know he's got some steroid stuff, so he's probably not going to be a Hall of Famer. But he's in that discussion, right? He was a great player in his own right. Intimidating, like Ted said. Did a lot of things on the baseball field. He's known for the the waggle of the bat. He had a rocket arm. And allow me to finish Ted's tweet. And he finished with the same war as 26-year-old Mike Trout has... Right now. Think about that for a second. Gary Sheffield. A guy that nobody wanted to face in his prime. A guy who hit more than 500 home runs. Who you can at least talk about in the Hall of Fame conversation. At this very moment, Mike Trout has the same career war if not better, after Monday night's game than Gary Sheffield had over his 22-year career. And so, again, it's not really telling me anything I didn't already know. Right? Like, I, I know Mike Trout's incredible. I know Mike Trout's a Hall of Famer. I know Mike Trout's the best player in baseball right now, and it's not even close. But it just kind of puts it all into perspective. It just kind of throws it all into this way of looking at it, right, into a pot so that we can look at things on on a semi-equal playing field. And one of the most remarkable things to me is that Trout, this year, very well may put up the greatest season of all time, as at least as far as war is concerned. And sure, there are probably issues with war. And there are, maybe it, it affects, you know, maybe it counts fielding a little bit too much. All right, fine. But I think it really shows you a lot about Mike Trout. Just how good he is in the field, just how good he is at the plate. And it brings me to this larger point. It's a point about baseball that I've made. It's a point about the league as a whole and where baseball is right now in regards to everywhere, every other sport in this country and how football is just this monster and football is king and basketball is growing into, uh, into somewhat of a monster, right? And they've got stars everywhere. Everywhere. They've got a star. Baseball has arguably... It's greatest player of all time, and if not the greatest, one of the greatest players that will ever play baseball, and he's playing right now. He is literally on the field every single night right now. In his career, he's played six full seasons. He has never finished lower than fourth in the MVP voting. That came last year. He's just that good, and this year he's going to go make history and put up the highest war season ever, which, you know, in some regards means he's putting up the best season of all time. But why do we not think of him that way? Well, baseball has marketing problems. Baseball doesn't put players like that in the biggest spotlight, maybe. He plays in Anaheim. But, oh, by the way, he hasn't made the playoffs yet. He hasn't made it to the biggest stage in his sport yet. And that's a problem. That's an issue for Major League Baseball. And that's an issue for Mike Trout. For baseball to really be able to push this guy, for baseball to really be able to show him off, showcase him, he's got to be in the playoffs he's got to be playing in October and so I think that is part of what made the news about Shohei Otani a couple of weeks ago all the more frustrating if you're a baseball fan yeah you want Shohei Otani to pitch and hit and do everything and keep being this great player that he's been but you also want to see the Angels be halfway decent because you want to see Mike Trout and what he could do when shown to everybody. And how people might get enamored with a player like that when they finally get a chance to see him. Because it's not easy, right? It's not easy to show off a player playing in Anaheim, California. He was on ESPN last night. He's on ESPN again tonight on Tuesday. But that game doesn't start until 10 o'clock. 10-15. Ten fifteen. That's a tough way to show guys off. And I'm not saying he's got to come play for an East Coast team, but if the Angels are just better, if the Angels can just make the playoffs, if the Angels can be a contender, which they have not been over his six-plus years in the major leagues, well, then nobody's really going to pay attention. And it doesn't matter how great you are. And it doesn't matter that you've won two MVPs already. And it doesn't matter that you are the rookie of the year and nearly the MVP. Should have been the MVP. All that stuff is great. But if everybody else on your team stinks, you're not going to get shown off. And I think that's what we've run into with Mike Trout. In basketball, it's easy. If you're LeBron James, if you're a great player, your team's going to be really good. Your team's going to get this stage. In football, if you're the quarterback... If you're that good, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're going to make your team better. You're going to play on Sunday Night Football. But in baseball, you're just one of nine. In baseball, you're an individual playing a team sport that's really an individual sport, you know, that that kind of gets covered up and and wrapped and packaged into a team sport. So there's not all that much you can do about the guy hitting behind you, about the pitcher on the mound when you're the center fielder. And it stinks for baseball that the Angels haven't been good. Which is a weird thing to say, because the Angels, you know, in the grand scheme of things, don't matter all that much. It's much more important for Major League Baseball for the Yankees to be good, for the Red Sox to be good, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Mets, even. But if the Angels can get good, if the Angels can be, you know, a respectable and and competitive team, which it looked like they were going to be this year, then you get your best player on the biggest stage. And I think that's what baseball needs more than anything else. Mike Trout is going to put up a historic season. How much are we going to hear about it this summer? Let's take a break and remind you that if you miss any of the shows on ESPN Radio Syracuse, you can get caught up with the best of podcasts, best of On the Block with Brent X, Orange Nation, and the Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPNSyracuse.com. You subscribe on iTunes, I'm sure you do, because well, you're listening to a podcast right now, and you'll get them delivered straight to your phone every day. So make sure to check out Syracuse.com and the other podcasts on our iTunes feed. And don't forget, also on ESPNSyracuse.com, we've got our audio vault where you can find uh, any interview that we've done. We'll cut it up separately and post it in the audio vault so you get plenty of stuff from all our shows. Now back to a show to be named later. So as I said off the top, a couple of things that I, I don't think we could talk about for 15 minutes, but I wanted to get to each one of them. So... Let's start off with the the oldest of these and and Phil Mickelson and this U.S. Open thing. So he runs around his own golf shot and around the hole and and hits it again before the ball stops moving. And it was funny and it was weird and it was jarring because you don't see that uh, very often, obviously. But I'm really curious as to why golf people were really uptight about this. Like, why were golf people so uptight about what Phil Mickelson did? To me, it was pretty clear that he was just kind of upset and he was frustrated and he thought the course was unfair. And He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to whack this ball before it stops, knowing I'm breaking a rule. And and that's going to be my little way of protesting and making it known that I'm unhappy. Right? Like that was my understanding. And I thought that made total sense. I understood if that's what Phil Mickelson was doing. But I saw so much from golf people. And maybe it's because like it doesn't happen all that much and and that, you know, people don't normally do this kind of stuff. But I thought of I, I saw a tweet over the weekend that was like, think of the millions of kids who are watching. It just I don't I don't get that. Like relax, get off your soapbox. Get off your high horse and get over yourself, right? Like, it's golf. It's a sport. And I know that golf is more stuck up than other sports. But maybe don't be. And then some of those millions of kids that you're worried about alienating, maybe they will play golf some more. I didn't understand the reaction coming off this weekend. Maybe it's because I'm not a golfer. Maybe it's because I'm not a very big golf fan. I could not understand for the life of me that reaction. I laughed. It was something that I would do in a mini-golf course. It was something that I've always wanted to do when I went to golf. Because I was terrible at it. I thought it was relatable. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was Phil Mickelson being every golfer who goes and is frustrated with how terrible he's playing and frustrated with this new course that he has to play because his friends dragged him there. And he's putting up a terrible score. And he was just like, you know what? I've had enough of this garbage. I'm done with this. Obviously, golf purists took it a different way. I think it's hilarious. I think the reaction is unbelievable. Way overblown. And it's amazing to watch how this happens. Isn't it? Like, it's pretty amazing to watch how this reaction just spreads. To where it's the normal reaction to be up in arms over this. Why can't we just take take a deep breath, laugh at this, and realize it for what it was? It was a protest. He was annoyed. He was upset at the conditions of the golf course. And he made his frustrations known. Other story from yesterday that I, I thought was really interesting is this Barry Trotz thing with the Washington Capitals. And he leaves the Capitals now after winning a Stanley Cup, which, interesting, interestingly enough... Kicked in an option, right? One of the storylines, one of the underlying stories of the Stanley Cup playoffs and then the Stanley Cup final as the Capitals advanced was Barry Trotz doesn't have a contract after this year, except that once they won the cup, he did have a contract for next year and the year after. And that came out yesterday. And interestingly, he didn't think he was going to get paid enough on that contract extension, so he quit. Said, I'm out of here. It's only the fifth coach ever to leave a team after winning a Stanley Cup. And it's pretty remarkable to watch that, right? Because you would think, hey, they just won the Stanley Cup like two weeks ago, week and a half ago. They're gonna come back, they're gonna roll it back, they're gonna, you know, bring back all their key players, they're gonna bring back their coach, they'll figure out whatever compensation they need. And they'll bring it back next year. And I, I was a little bit surprised when he actually left. I'm not a I'm not the most attentive hockey fan. I'm certainly not a Capitals fan. but i thought what i was seeing was that they would figure something out maybe it was because people were telling reporters essentially like hey we got this figured out as in like they had this extension already in place but they didn't want to tell the reporters that this extension was in place right maybe that's what ended up happening but it's pretty interesting to see how this you know fell apart and and devolved so quickly where all of a sudden he's resigning because he's like, you know what, that that doesn't really feel right for me. I'm now a Stanley Cup winning coach, and you're not going to pay me enough. So I'm just going to leave because we can't get this figured out. I thought that was a really interesting story to, uh, to come out yesterday and how it came out with the revelation of his contract extension that kicked in immediately as a as soon as uh the capitals won that cup lastly i want a couple minutes on the world cup not somebody who watches all that much mls not somebody who watches all that much premier league if there's nothing else going on maybe i flip it on in the background but i like the world cup and i've watched the last couple of world cups And I wasn't sure if I was going to watch this year and be interested this year because the Americans weren't there, right? And that becomes the easy way in. It becomes really easy to sit here and root for the American team, to have that awesome patriotism feel, right? happens every couple of years, whether it's the Olympics or the World Cup or or something else, and you just kind of get involved in sports that, like, you may not normally watch. Like, curling, right? Curling was fun in the Olympics because, like, the Americans were good at it this year. Beach volleyball because the Americans are good at it. Right, like, what, whatever the sport is, you find yourself watching it because you're like, go America, we're awesome at this. And, like, maybe we're not awesome at soccer. But it was always that feeling of go America. Like, let's let's root on our country, right, in, in this world stage. And so coming into this year, I wasn't really sure if I was going to watch much of the World Cup. I wasn't really sure if I was going to be interested in it. Uh, yet I'm sitting in our ESPN radio studios right this second as I'm recording, watching Senegal and Poland. And I sat here yesterday on Monday and watched. And I was sitting in our studio on Friday and watched Portugal and... Uh, Portugal and Spain, which was a fantastic soccer match. So yeah, I'd say I'm all in on this World Cup thing. I, I'd say that I'm I'm in on watching, and you know maybe I'm not going to get up at five o'clock on a on a weekend or or eight o'clock on a weekend, uh, but I'll watch it when it's on during the day, and you know I'll find the right games to watch, and uh, or I'll just watch Senegal and Poland, which has an own goal already in it. I don't know. I'll just find whatever's on, and I'll talk to people, and I'll text people who know more about soccer than I do, and I'll follow them on Twitter, and I'll understand what's going on, because it only happens once every four years, and the World Cup's kind of fun when it gets going, and I wasn't sure if it was going to be without the Americans there. I wasn't sure if I was going to be interested in it without the American team there, without that carrot to, to, to dangle in front of me of, hey... There's an American team that's going to be playing one of these teams a little bit later on. Maybe watch them. I wasn't sure. But I'm still enjoying it for now. We'll see how that goes over the next three weeks. That does it for us today on a show to be named later. Subscribe on iTunes. Check out our website, ESPN Syracuse. We'll be back with more on the show tomorrow.